Today we continue our series, Running with the Giants. The whole premise of this series is based out of Hebrews, where it says in your outline, let's pull this thing out and look at this. Uh, Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. John Maxwell wrote a book called Running with the Giants. And the concept is we're all running a race. And in this cloud of witnesses, there are the heroes of the faith cheering you on on your race. But the problem is that whenever you are in the stands cheering you on, you hear the roar of the crowd, but you don't hear the inspiration of the one. So each week we are pulling out one Bible character out of the stands to run a lap with us. And on that lap, they would tell us the advice that they would be able to tell us on how they lived the Christian faith well and finished strong. So today we're going to pull out someone out of the stands that's a big hero of the faith. His name is... You guys have already looked at the notes ahead of the game. We're going to pull out Elijah. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of background story on one of the stories of Elijah, and then we'll get into it. Elijah was a prophet who lived in Israel, and at the time that Elijah was there, Israel, uh, well, a little bit before then, uh, was a country that loved God. They worshiped God. They honored God. They were worshipers of who God was. And then about the time Elijah pulls up on the scene and starts becoming more predominant, uh, Israel is divided into two territories. You have Israel and then uh, you have Judah. And Israel was a place where God was still worshipped, but Judah, Judah was a different story. Judah had a king named Ahab. Ahab was a weak king. And he was not very good at what he did. And he married a girl who was even worse. You may have heard the name uh, the, uh, Jezebel. I don't even like saying the name. <laughs> you heard the name. He married a, a lady who was a wicked, wicked lady. And her name was Jezebel. So you've got a super weak king and a super wicked queen. And that just doesn't propose anything that's going to be good, right? Weak and wicked. Uh, these two start creating their own gods to worship. Israel was a place that worshipped God. And then whenever they divided, they began to develop, to develop their own gods. And, and one of those gods was uh, Baal. B-A-A-L. Baal is half man, half cow, had horns, disgusting looking guy. And they would worship this figure. And if you want to read more about the story I'm about to tell you, it's 1 Kings uh, 17, 18, and 19. It's three chapters, but I'm going to kind of condense it down. While these people, this land, uh, were worshiping a false god, God tells Elijah that it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And for three and a half years, God protected Elijah and, and took care of him. But the, the long story short, God wanted there to be a square off between God and King Ahab's gods. And so he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And then at the end of three and a half years, God tells Elijah to go to the king and 
in my words, it's time to square off. Okay? The king says, I can call down fire from heaven because my God is just as powerful as, or if not more powerful than your God. And Elijah, being the humble man that he was, said, bring it on. Let's do this. So they go and get two oxen. They build these altars. And it, the, the story is actually really funny. You, you need to go back and read it. But, but uh, King Ahab, he had 450 prophets that worshipped Baal. And they got around these two altars. And for hours upon hours, the 450 prophets sat there, stood there, ran in circles, chanted, yelled, and screamed, trying to call down fire. And then Elijah, after a while, it says in 1 Kings chapter 18, 27, Elijah began to taunt them. He actually began to make fun of them, saying, how come you guys can't bring down fire? I thought your gods were all powerful. It's really funny. You need to go read it. There's a lot of humor in the Bible if you just look at it. It's funny. Because you've got this Christian. Christian guy, he's making fun of Satan. He's making fun of all these things. He said, why can't you guys do what you said you do? He is just taunting them. It's exact words what it says. And, and Elijah says, here's what I want you to go do. You guys can't call down fire, but I want to show you the magnificence of my God. I want you to go get water and go pour it on these altars. Well, think about that. Water is extremely valuable. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. There's a seed that you sow. Okay. Keep that thought for me later. Hmm. I might chase that one. Um, he said, go get these water pots. And there was uh, four pots. And he said, fill them up each three times and dump them on there. So now you've got an oxen, you've got wood that's completely soaked. And if any of you have ever tried to start a campfire behind your house with wet wood... Stop that. <laughs> it's not going to work out very well. Let's just put it that way. You're not going to be able to catch it on fire. And in just a few moments, Elijah looks to heaven and says, God, I call down fire. And within a matter of seconds, fire from heaven came and consumed the altar. And the Bible actually says it consumed every single drop of water that even fell next to the altar. And then, the story's kind of gross, but then Elijah takes all 450 prophets out to the field and slaughters them all with the sword. So, okay, whatever. So, but after it's consumed... God looks, or Elijah looks at, the, at King Ahab and says, my God brought down fire, and tonight it's going to rain. Go back to the palace, your kingdom, because it's going to, it's going to get wet. And now King Ahab began to wonder what's going on here. His prophets couldn't do what Elijah's prophet could do. That night, a small cloud appeared in the sky, and a couple of little droplets began to fall. And then within just a few moments, the rain came. So here we have Elijah, who has called down fire from heaven. Hey, how are you feeling? I'm so surprised to see you walking. Good, good to see you. 
<laughs> yeah, not around here. So you've got Elijah who just called down fire and consumed these altars that the prophets of Baal, that the, that the, 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 the godly men of, of Judah could not do. You have a man who slaughtered 450 people with a sword. You've got a man who said it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And the night he says it's going to rain, it begins to rain. You think about it. Elijah is living on top of the world. Like, man, come look at me now. You know, he's like, this, I, I'm all that. I, I am God's chosen, anointed person. And then chapter 19 happens. Let's look in your outline. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. <laughs> See, he's weak. He's a little snitch. And then uh, Elijah uh, told everything Elijah had done. And he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. We have Elijah with the greatest miracles in the Bible taking place, and hours later his life is being threatened by a wicked queen. I wanted to give you the backstory uh, of, of this because what happens is we are about to pull Elijah out of the stands. And we're going to run this lap with what Elijah would tell us based upon the success and the failures that he had that made him become a hero in the faith. And I think the reason why I wanted to bring up Elijah is we can all identify with what happened to Elijah. We can be flying high in April... Shot down in May. You know? We have all had those moments when we are confident in what's going on. We had a great day at work. You got a promotion. You got a, you got a bonus. You got all this stuff. And the next week, they, they're, they're looking to fire in you. We've all had those moments that things are going better than expected. And then all of a sudden, brick wall. So what would Elijah say? If we pull Elijah out of the stands, we're about to run our lap, the crowd's cheering us on, and Elijah says, I want to tell you some things. Because when you run your race, I ran that race. I doubted, I questioned, but I overcame. And I want to teach you what I went through so that way you don't have to go through what I went through. So let's look at our outline. Elijah would say, your perspective shapes your reality. Elijah had an amazing moment with God. He's standing on the mountain, and a few verses later, look right below that, verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Let me ask you this. Did Elijah's calling on his life change? Did Elijah's potential for what God called him to do change? Did Elijah's ability change? No. None of that changed. Elijah was staring at 450 prophets and in front of all of them had the faith to call down fire. 
in front of all of them said, none of you are going to leave this land because I'm about to slaughter every one of you. Elijah was a man who was full of faith. But in this verse, in verse 3, something happened. He lost his faith and allowed fear to enter his mind. There are situations in your life where there is a constant battle taking place. Are you going to operate in fear or are you going to operate in faith? When you share your story with people, the series we just got off of, are you going to operate in fear or are you going to operate in When a situation is brought to your attention that's beyond your control, are you going to operate in fear or in? When your child is laying in bed with a call with an ambulance saying, my son is laying here with a broken back, what do you do? Do you operate in fear or in? When your mom is given six weeks to live, do you operate in fear or faith? Nine months later, she's still alive. Just just saying. When you get fired from a job, do you operate in fear or in faith? No matter what you're looking at, you have the ability to change your perspective in life if you choose to operate in faith instead of fear. I want to show you two pictures on the screen. Both of these are from my backyard. Um, let's show the first one. Leave it right there. Don't, don't change anything. What do you see in this picture? This is my backyard. Call it out. What do you see? It is when you're this tall and you go super fast and your dad won't let you stand up because you go too fast. So, <laughs> so you've... It is ter- fake turf. I have yet to hit off that, but I've got it there. I bought it for Terrence, and he never comes to my house. So, um, But what do you see? You see a field. You see a fence. You see a big stinking house in the corner. You see fire. You see the dog chewing on the bone, having, having fun. An empty chair without a That goes on top of their scooters so they can ride it like a go-kart. It's whatever. Okay. So, what, okay, so you, you see all this stuff. Now, now, let me show you. So now, hold on, Ter- or Travis. Um, I have this drone, and I went in this same exact position and took that drone 50 feet in the air. Now show the next one. What do you see now? <laughs> Terrence, sorry, you're not going <laughs> to... You see a pond, you see the road, you see walking trails, you see big houses. The only thing that changed in these two pictures was the perspective. All of it was there the entire time. But because you couldn't get a little bit higher, you couldn't see what was beyond the grassy field. That field you're looking at was just the field you were looking at in the other picture on the bottom. That's just 100 yards behind my house. I don't think you're getting that. If you change your perspective, you see things from a different point of view. It's not sinking in, is it? 
if you see things from a higher elevated perspective, the things that are on your level begin to look different. If you see things the way that God sees them in your life from an elevated perspective, you will no longer see what's right in front of you, but your, your position on the perspective is what God says about the situation, not what you see in the situation. Is that one catching? Elijah looks at you as you're running this lap together and says, don't let your inability to have improper perspective destroy the call of God upon your life. You have to see the things the way that God sees them, not the way that you see them. You can change that. He says, you understand me? Let's keep going. I have something else I want to tell you. One of the ways that Satan tries to deceive us is to tell us that you're running your race all by yourself. Elijah would say, write this down, the bottom of the front page of your outline. You are only alone if you choose to be alone. Continuing our story of the Bible on the top of the page on the back, 1 Kings 19. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. This guy, just a few days later, saw fire from heaven. Saw rain from heaven, slaughtered 450 people, saw a move of God take place, and just a couple of days later is asking God to kill him. Elijah thought he was all alone, that he couldn't go any further. He was flying high just a few days ago, but now the wicked queen's after him. He's saying, God, take me, take my life. Have you ever been to that place where you told yourself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this? The pain is too deep. The hurt's too great. Elijah thought he was all alone. But Elijah in the next verse fell asleep. And it says in verse 5, an angel appeared to him and spoke to him. I interpret it the way I want to. And when I hear that, I hear a friend came to encourage him. Elijah was going through some stuff. And he needed a friend to encourage him, to listen, to be there, to say, hey, get up off your lazy rear and go eat. Let's go. We got things to do. The, the privilege of being a small church is we get to know everyone's life. We get to be, we know, ins and outs. It won't always be the case because we will grow. But you cannot grow alone. You can't go through this life alone. When 
mom and dad get back, they're going to be starting a small group on some Holy Spirit stuff. Get involved in that. Or maybe after church, just invite someone to go to lunch with you. Take the initiative. One thing that we've learned in 30, I'm 38. We've been around ministry our entire lives. You assume that everyone else assumes the same thing. They're too busy. They're looking for friendship just as much as you are. It just takes someone to take the initiative. How many times have we, all right, we're going to have this group of people over, and everyone's like, yay, finally, we will have coming over. And you start talking to them, and they're all like, oh, we could have been doing this the whole time. But I thought they were too busy. They're too good. Relationships are worth the effort. Whenever we started dating, her name's Adrienne. I called her Adrienne. And um, we were at a restaurant sitting around a table, and she looked at me, and she's like, if this is going to work out, my name is Adrienne. I'm worth the extra effort. I was like, woo, we got a spicy one here. <laughs> that has, all right. So Elijah, Elijah's saying, Lord, let me die. But a friend came to him and gave him the push that he needed. I'm your friend. I'm pushing you. Let's do this. Don't let your past hold up. Okay. Um, Elijah looks at you, and you're rounding this turn, and he grabs your hand. He says, I'm going to run this lap with you because we're friends. We're going to run this one together. And as he grabs your hand, he tells you something. He says, I never want you to forget this. Let's write this down. Elijah would say, God's plan is always better than my plan. Don't give up. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Let's look at your outline in green ink. It says, when your choices are limited by what you see, you will make decisions based off how you feel rather than what God says. First Kings 19. Let's continue to read. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The cool thing about this is that cave that he went into, that was the same cave that Moses went into and saw when God encountered him. 1 Kings 19. We're not going to read it all. I just put the reference in there. It's really long. I didn't want to read it all. So I'm going to summarize it. Basically, Elijah is whining to God. And God says, change your perspective. You've got to get out of the cave. He's been in this cave. And, and God said, get out of the cave because in verse 12, it says an earthquake came, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And Elijah's sitting outside this cave looking in, in wind came in such a violent wind that rocks were literally exploding in front of him. And God says, I'm not in the wind. And then as Elijah has made the decision to get out of the cave and try to find God, this fire comes. And at the end of the fire, uh, God's, God says, I'm not in the fire. And all of a sudden, the whisper came. And God said, I'm in the whisper. You hear my voice in the whisper. 
You see, we're looking for these major signs from God. Elijah had wind that, that were blowing rocks into smithereens. He had fire and, and earthquakes. And God wasn't in any of it. God was in the whisper. Sometimes, all the time, you've got to draw near to God because God wants to speak to you. He's got something to say to you, but you're looking for these huge signs and God's saying, get in the whisper. Because that's where I'm at. Elijah had to come to a decision when he was running his race. When you choose to let go, you have to let go of it all. Elijah was holding on to what that queen said. He walked out of faith and lived in fear. And when he got in that moment, he was asking God to kill him. That's what fear will do. Fear will cause you to not walk into your destiny. Fear will cause you to not walk into your purpose. Fear will cause you not to speak up whenever you know there's something inside that's calling you to speak up. We get so sidetracked, <laughs> I've been guilty of this one, of telling our sob story and living in that sob story. Yeah. And then four years later, something triggers off your mind. And, oh, there you go again. You go right down that story that happened eight years ago. Or maybe something happened 15 years ago. And you're still holding on to it. Because every time you talk about it, it brings up bad feelings. Or I could even say this, 15 years later, you're still talking about it. You're rounding the final turn with Elijah. He says, I want to tell you, quit living in the cave of your past. God is calling you out of the darkness of the cave so you can be on top of the mountain and see your life from God's perspective. Not yours. Elijah looks at you. He says, we're about to round the final turn. Right in front of us is the lap line. I want you to think about what I'm about to tell you while you run this next lap. Because it's going to change your life. Number one, let's write this down. Let God determine your plan. Don't try to come up with your own game plan. Trust the plan that God has for your life. Amen. Number two. The lap is getting shorter, so he's got to go fast. Let God direct your path. Keep growing in your faith. Keep growing in the Word of God. Stay true to the Word of God. Let God direct your path. Don't you try to come up with it. Let God direct it. And if you continue to seek after Him and do what He's called you to do, you enable Him to direct your path instead of you trying to figure it out. Number three. Let God demonstrate His providence. God will meet you when you step out in faith. God will supply the need. God will be there for your dreams. And if you don't 
allow him to determine your plan and you don't allow him to direct your path, how will you ever allow him to demonstrate the goodness of who he is in your life? Now Elijah runs back up in the stands to cheer you on for your next lap. Let me encourage you this morning. Elijah saw God move in a mighty way, yet he still came to a place where he doubted God. Every one of us have come to that place at some point. You've maybe seen God move. You've heard about God moving. You've been told about something that God did. If you haven't seen it firsthand, in just a few moments later, days, weeks, months, you've changed your perspective on who God is. In Elijah's pity party, he said, God, no matter what's going on, I'm going to trust your perspective is higher than mine. So today, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Trust that God's perspective is higher than yours. We want a church of people who are encountering God, who are living according to God's plan for your life. God's direction for your life. Because I can tell you this for fact. God's providence will be there when you're in God's will for your life. When you operate in faith, you enable God to move in your life that you've never seen. So, this week, I ask that you change your perspective. Don't look at your problem the way you see your problem. The way you see your problem is why you got in the problem to begin with. Look at the problem from God's perspective. There's that song, straighten up and fly right. You guys remember that song? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> you got you to gotta elevate yourself above. You saw the two pictures. On the ground, all you saw was a field and kids. From the perspective, you saw the pond, the roads, the field, and everything else. It was there the whole time. God's plan for your life is there the whole time. You just got to walk in faith to pull it out. Let's pray. Father God, I pray by the power of your name, by the power of your spirit, that we walk in the goodness of who you are, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not fear. That we walk in the, in the, the idealism that your perspective is higher and better, your thoughts are higher, your ways are higher, and that today we renounce our ability to do things to say, God, we need you to move in our lives, that we see the things the way you see them. We see people the way you see them. We see the problems the way you see them. You see, we see see them through your lens, not ours. Lord, I pray that this week we have the best week we've ever had because we see things the way that you see them. That our perspective is, is what is the God perspective in this situation. Lord, I thank you that you go with us. You go before us. And Lord, I pray that that's what happens this week. 
that in all things you go before us and work it out for your good. That every situation that comes our way, it's your perspective, not ours. And we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.